The Pace Line is produced by The Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my host, John Robot Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Dude, we've got a new river here. It's an atmospheric one. Uh-huh. Uh, it has been pouring. Yeah. Last night, right. my drive from my counselors back to home, it took me an hour and 45 minutes Instead of what is usually more like just under an hour. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, quite the quite the thing. So uh, winter is officially here. Uh, ah. Do you still have snow on the ground? We or don't. Or did it go away? <clears throat> no, it's 55 and raining here today. <laughs> it's warmer the ground than it is, is here. <laughs> yeah, no, the ground is mush. I would say winter is not here yet. It's often like this. We flirt with it, right? Like it flurries or it turns cold a little bit and then it warms. This seems like the new, I hate to use the phrase the new normal, but this does seem like the new normal where it's, oh, it's cold. No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, it's, yeah. Uh huh. Weird stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, it seems Boston's weather was always better than Northampton's weather weather by at least a little bit, you know, like mm-hmm. five, 10 percent. Mm-hmm. But because I still look at the weather in Northampton and I follow <laughs> it in Boston because of you, uh, that place is not like when I left 25 years ago. Granted, it's 25 years, but your weather's different than it used to be. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, the what seems to be the case now, and that you know, I hate to say that this doesn't work out too badly for me, <laughs> is that it's oftentimes through the winter there's no snow on the ground here, but a couple hours north there's plenty of snow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a winter to winter thing. Obviously, sometimes you get more snow than others, but I mean, we spent a lot of last year with no snow here and lots of snow there. And that's a pretty good scenario for me. Cause I, I do like to ski and do those, um, wintry, snowy, hikey things. Um, but I like to be able to come back home and ride my bike. So, so right. Cause you can't ski at home. No, I mean, I can, but, um, you know, you can cross country ski within a few minutes of my house, which is nice, but just to be able to have like the, 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 the dry, dry road riding and, uh, the snowy (laughs) woods adventure, uh, at the same time is pretty, pretty good. But I, I don't, having said that, I don't wish for it. I mean, I think um, <laughs> right, right. The, weather, the weather should do what the weather's going to do, uh, no matter how schizophrenic, and uh, I will enjoy whatever it gives me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, what are you pulling us through this week? So this week, I want to talk about 
scheduling, which mm. is which is a sexy topic, right? Oh, dead sexy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, here in the Northern Hemisphere, as we've just discussed, the days are growing cold and dark. And that means for most of us, there's not much left in the bucket of motivation. <laughs> mm. the, the hours in which you'd usually ride have been reduced. Mm -hmm. Um, the challenges for dressing correctly and seeing where you're going are suddenly real. (laughs) (laughs) And though I'm an introvert, I would say, who really loves to be out on my own, this time of year, I also depend heavily on my friends to get me out the door. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the problem or the challenge is that most of my friends have real jobs. (laughs) They (laughs) they have meetings. And now that most offices are virtual, there seem to be so many Zooms and Google Meets and Skypes and all manner of nonsense that means most of them can't play during the day like I can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that leads to these epic group planning sessions, mainly via text. I'm in, I'm out. I can do seven, but I have to be back by 845, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I love riding with my friends, but the churn of all of that makes me... A little bit nuts. Um, the group dynamic is also challenging for me pretty often. I don't, especially if I'm out first thing in the morning, I, I won't like the pace or I won't like the route or I find some other thing to bother me because that's how I am. <laughs> Almost every time I ride with friends, though, I ride myself into a good mood. I finish the ride loving bikes and loving my friends And that just goes to show that most of the things that bother me on the bike and off it really are fully manufactured between my ears. (laughs) Maybe you can relate. Mm -hmm. Oh, mm. yeah, possibly. And to be fair, I'm lucky, right? I have very few time specific commitments. I have a few meetings. I do a few podcasts. But even with this podcast, we move it to accommodate important business. You know, like sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to ride your bike to preserve what's left of your mental health. So I don't complain to my friends because that would be churlish you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah Uh yeah so that so i spend this time here zigzagging back and forth between group rides and solo adventures and i think those group rides i can get to are so important to keep me going uh because if i try to do it all by myself all winter long i really just end up on the couch too much and i wonder as we, I was sort of like going through this long list of texts this week, I was wondering if other, if our listeners are doing this, a similar dance, right? Or is this how mm-hmm. people are trying to connect with their riding friends? And, you know, what's, what, like, what's your approach to balancing group stuff versus alone time on the bike? I shouldn't have said group stuff. That was weird, but. <laughs> um, well, I mean. It's funny that, you know, currently asking me this question is sort of, uh, well, I'm, I'm just the wrong go-to. I haven't ridden with another person since October. Uh, all of my rides have been on my own. It's been really strange. Mm. And there have been a couple of things that have contributed to that. Uh, one of them being mm-hmm. that, um, uh, well, I don't have any mountain bikes to go on rides with my friends who go mountain biking anymore. Haven't fixed right. that yet. Right. Um, 
Um, and also because uh, I've been in a challenging headspace for uh, the better part of a month now, uh, I really haven't made any effort to hook up with people. Now, all that said, back when I lived in Southern California and group rides were the norm, there wasn't a lot of discussion. There were standing group rides. Uh, the Tuesday and Thursday rides rolled out at 635. You know, we said it was a 630 ride. It would roll out at 635 pretty promptly. Um, and so there was no discussion. You were either there or you were not. Um, right. You know, the, the Wednesday ride, the Friday coffee ride, um, all those rides were just set in stone. So it wasn't until you were getting together with, you know, two, three, four, five friends uh, that those texts would start to go out. Um, and in my life, the question was never so much um, an issue of light as it was, um, dude, it's still going to be 39 degrees then. I, I you know. I don't want to wear leg warmers. I'm, I'll wear knee warmers, but I won't wear leg warmers. There, I always hear stuff like that. Um, and, you know, unless I had some sort of family time constraint, um, I often referred to myself as luggage. Yeah. Just take me with you. Just take me with you. Just tell me when to show up and where we're going and I'll, I'll be there. Um, and because I have been joking for the better part of 25 years that my social life is over by nine o'clock in the morning. Um, I, you know, I wanted to be with friends and this was what I needed to do to be with friends. So unless I was really itching to go do a different ride of some sort, you know, go to a different place, mm. I have not been someone historically who really put much input into the group. Um, I, you know, if texts were going around, I would simply read them. Sometimes I would interject something vaguely comedic, uh, sometimes vaguely not comedic, despite my best efforts. Um, but yeah, I, um, I'm fortunate that it, I didn't really encounter much that would like get under my skin that way. Uh, now, you put me in a car on the 405. Yes, stuff was getting under my skin. Um, but I've been fortunate that way. Um, and, you know, honestly, I've been thinking, like, I need to actively go out and join a couple of bike clubs here in the area so that I can start doing group rides with people once again, because uh, I am entirely too isolated currently. Yeah. So, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, think of this not as my poll, but as an intervention then. <laughs> that's uh, that's probably a good thing for my life right about now. <laughs> you know, and the thing the thing that I'll throw in, um, <clears throat> you know, all of the people I ride with have kids. So there's always a kid variable, a sick kid or a kid commitment or a something. But yes. there but because um because the people I ride with, um, they, they, a lot of them have jobs where they work with people in other, uh, time zones, sometimes very 
uh, far-flung time zones. So they could be like, oh, well, I have a <laughs> conference call uh, at 5.30 a.m., you know, with the... <laughs> With, with the Delhi office or, you know, with Shanghai or with uh, and I think that's that's I think an interesting modern problem. Like we we gave up the um, commute. Right. So we took back mm-hmm. an hour maybe on either side of our work day. But then we got softened for because everything's so convenient. Like, oh, yeah, I can roll out of bed and do a meeting at, you know, some ridiculous time of day or night so so i wonder how uh i do wonder how listeners if if that has changed for them and if it changes how they organize their rides um and i should say you know i i admire that you just showed up for established rides for so long because that is so not me i just i just you know like (laughs) i would I'll go through all of this text nonsense to ride with a few people that I like. And I'm not saying I don't Mm -hmm. like groups of people, but I don't like groups of people. And um, (laughs) the idea, the idea of showing up for a ride that I don't know everyone on is just that's a bit much for me. I will do it occasionally. Um, Old friend of the podcast, Patria, organizes Mm -hmm. a monthly full moon ride. So it's yeah. it's lights on trail riding under the full moon. That's a pretty awesome thing to do. And I did that recently with uh-huh. with some strangers. Um, but, you know, I'm especially on a ride like that. And we 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 navigated it pretty well that that one night. But I you know, there is uh, such a thing as stranger danger where you're riding <laughs> along and you just don't know what the hell that person is going to do because you haven't ridden with them before and you don't know them and you don't know what their experience is. And maybe they're going to grab two fistfuls of break on the descent in the dark on the trail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's something that has been part of my adjustment living here in Northern California is like, you know, going out for a grasshopper or some other event. And suddenly, you know, I've got, wall-to-wall cyclists around me Mm. and i know two out of the you know six people i could reach out and touch uh or maybe i know one of the eight i could reach out and touch and right um that's that makes me feel like a new cyclist all over again and i don't like that feeling no i don't i will say that I, i was very fortunate that I hit Southern California at the point in my life that I did, you know, I'd just joined the staff of a bike magazine and, you know, I was in my, uh, early thirties and, you know, I'm at a point where I'm trying to prove things as a cyclist. I'm trying to prove things professionally as a writer. And so there was a, uh, a pretty acute need for me to step up and, so the idea of getting on board with these standing group rides, mm. uh, you know, it was never a question I considered. It's like, well, where is the group ride? You know, yeah. just, just show me and tell me what time. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I, that's how I found one of the group rides initially when I first moved to the South Bay was I'm out, out riding one morning and I didn't know there was a group ride at six 30 and I'm riding along at eight o'clock in the morning and there are guys coming back the other direction. I'm like, make a u-turn follow them down and uh 
you know, like, who are you? What are you doing? You know, what are you guys about? And so the very following Tuesday, I was out there and making friends. Uh, after you ride with all those people for 10 years, yeah, you learn that, you know, four or five out of 60, you don't much like, but you know, you move to a different part of the group. Sure. Um, um, I, I really relished that. It was a good time in my life and I do miss that. And I would at least like to claw back a little bit of that and have like, you know, a red, regular cadre of 10 folks, you know, yeah. hopefully not just dudes. Uh, right. no, no sausage fest, please. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I need to do something so I can at least bump up against your concerns. <laughs> right. You should create the problem that I'm describing. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a solution looking for a problem. That's is right. that it? That's yes. right. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, if, if the pace line is good for nothing else, we can get things out of order. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes <laughs> that's the way forward. Just how it is. So maybe what we should do is you should read the line about, okay, we're back from the pace line. And then when we come back, I'll say, we're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a minute. All right. Let's do it that way then. Yeah. Okay. We're back with the pace line, the podcast on two wheels. Time for your poll, Patrick. The pace line is brought to you by the cycling independent. We are the only online cycling publication that's entirely reader supported with absolutely no advertiser sponsor or investor commitments influencing our editorial. We don't have a sales team or middle management. It's just the three founders and a collection of talented and committed contributors who independently produce our content. To maintain our commitment to honest, reader-focused editorial with the best writers in the business, we need your help. Every dollar that comes in goes directly toward creating the content you see. A subscription is cheap, easy, and it goes a heck of a long way. Just go to cyclingindependent.com, click on support TCI, and choose your level. Thanks for listening. We're going to take a break. <laughs> We're going to take a break and we will be back in just a minute. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, that probably segues pretty poorly into or, or awesomely into, you know, so this week I want to talk about being tough. Yeah. John, are you tough? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be tough. Uh, I believe you. I'm pretty sure I can still be tough on demand, but it's not something I chase like I once did. Yeah. Though that may be about to change. Uh, Do you tell? So. <laughs> When I when I first became a cyclist, you know, cycling, I, I think this is true for all of us generally. Cycling was something I did in good weather. Okay. In good mm -hmm. weather, you go for a bike ride because that's fun, right? Sure. Major duh right there. Yeah. You know, we ride bikes because they are fun and they are never more fun than when it's 75 and sunny. Uh but there came a point when I wanted to try doing group rides and I quickly had my legs torn off from their sockets. Uh, watching people talk as they rode away from me taught me that I was going to have to ride a lot more if I wanted to be fast enough to stay with them as they talked. <laughs> um, so that meant long sleeve jerseys and uh, thin layer tights. Uh, and I also bought for some really unexplainably stupid reason, an anorak. 
Yeah. Yes. Uh, cycling Anorak. They, there that's, was a company that actually made them. Yeah. That's not a thing. It's it's kind of next level dumb. Um, you know, I mean, a, a half zippered windbreaker. Right. Who? I mean, you already that? you already put the zipper in. You did all the work. Just give us the whole thing. <laughs> Just finish the job, yeah. would you, buddy? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I started riding in colder weather, you know, like the 60s and getting into the 50s. I still had my doors blown off. OK, so then I got an insulated jacket and a base, a thermal base layer and then insulated tights, you know, and warmer gloves. Um, I also started riding in the rain on, wait for it, warm days. Mm-hmm. I wasn't willing to take on war, uh, 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 cold days and rain at the same time. Mm-hmm. Initially, I didn't even think that was a thing. Mm. Okay. Uh, but things really changed when I started riding in the cold and rain after I got to UMass. Uh, riding when it's 70 and pouring, no problem. Riding when it's 23 and dry, mm. Not great, but can do. Riding when it's 45 and raining. Speaking of next level. Yeah, that's. <sighs> I happen to have I, a piece about this on the site right now. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> this exact combination of uh, environmental factors. But please do. Don't let me interrupt you. Please do go on. Yeah, uh, uh, we will make sure to include a link in the show notes. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know, here's the thing. It's riding in the cold and the wet that I really think we learn the most about ourselves and what a bike can do. Okay, don't get me wrong. Uh, Rolling out, actually leaving the garage when it's 50 and raining is as hard as differential calculus. You really have to think, or, or at least I really have to think, you know, but the discomfort lasts maybe only 15 minutes or so, 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um But even now, I can be amazed by how comfortable I can be in the cold and wet. But getting over that curb of departure can be surprisingly hard. Right. There's another piece to this. And actually, this is the main point or thrust here. Um, And it's what I consider to be uh, a significant significant angle within my cycling life. And that speaks to my sense of what love is. Um, So before I get there, I have a slight digression. Back in the 1970s, a big debate raged around the posthumous publication of Ernest Hemingway's novel, Islands in the Stream. So there were people who said that because uh, Hemingway didn't choose to publish it, it shouldn't be published. That because it wasn't, he didn't consider it up to his standards uh, during his lifetime, uh, and therefore it should be kept from the public. The counter argument was, I think, truly beautiful. It went like this. When you love something or someone and are truly all in, you'll take them even when they aren't at their best. That you see the beauty even when it's rough around the edges. Uh, I once compared this uh, to a new partner as, uh, you know, like, I, I like you so much, I want to go grocery shopping with you. <laughs> yep. You know, but that's the thing. To me, in a nutshell, you know, it, 
that's the analog to riding in the rain. It's in a certain sort of way, the ultimate expression of loving cycling. You love it so much. You'll do it in crap weather. Right. Does that fit for you? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, this is the, this, uh, sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is you know, in part the piece that I wrote that went up uh, yesterday called and gritty. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just last Saturday, it was 40 and, and pouring rain. And I thought that was a good time to go for a ride. I just needed to go for a ride. I just wanted to. I didn't care. There's a point where I want to be on the bike. Um, I know that no one else is going to be out on the bike, so I'll have the whole place to myself. Um, and the <laughs> rain and the cold is sort of cathartic. And I just love the whole experience. So I want it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want yeah. it. Yeah. And, and I also will say, you know, I wasn't thinking about it as I was writing this, but you know, that feeling of being just completely shattered after a ride, mm. you know, walking in and you're pretty well hollowed out inside. Like somebody took a ice cream scoop, scoop to your soul. Mm. Uh, I, you know, I have a certain sort of, uh, acquired taste for that. Yeah, I, I have it. I, I do too. Like I stood in the shower and my feet turned bright red because they, they were verging <laughs> on hypothermic. You know, I have these <laughs> Gore-Tex, um, cycling boots, right? They go over the ankle and they're supposed to sort of cinch, but the way the waterproof tights sort of sluice the water down, it runs down into the boots and then your feet are cold and i i had planned a, a longer ride that included the woods but i was like i first of all i can't go in the woods because i'll ruin the trails but <laughs> also i might be putting my feet in some sort of medical jeopardy if i stay out a whole ton longer um but i don't i don't i mean yeah. i i don't i don't experience that discomfort very much you know there's i just i don't feel that as discomfort like i know we talk about my predilection for the cold too much but it's the same sort of thing it's like where i feel wet i feel the wet mm-hmm. and i feel the cold but it doesn't register as bad to me it just mm-hmm. registers as is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yes it's, yes it's interesting like oh what's happening and then i really had to be like oh my feet probably i shouldn't stay out because this is not ideal for like health reasons but I wasn't I wasn't like, oh, my God, I'm in I'm suffering. I was just sort of like, wow, it's really this is a lot more rain than they forecast was my I was my <laughs> was my main thought. <laughs> That's funny. And I think uh, I, I think there's an interesting question about um, like the love of doing it. So doing it in really non-optimal. Uh, circumstances. And or the need to do it for that kind of physical, mental, spiritual catharsis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And well, it's hard to tease that apart. I, I'm going to I'm going to suggest I will not assert, but I'm going to suggest that, you know, without the, uh, you know, the, the dopamine endorphin cocktail that we get, um, even from low level flow, 
I don't think that riding in the wet would pay off in the cold and wet would pay off in the same sort of way. Were we not getting that, um, uh, self-administered, uh, dose of, you know, human antidepressant. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I mean, I, as I decided to go out, I kind of saw the forecast was rainy, but I had already in my guts, the antsiness that was like, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Like I gotta get out. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get out into the, into the, the whatever, whatever happens. And my wife was sort of incredulous. And I was like, you know, today's just one of those days I have to go get some weather on me. And I, I'm, I'm into it. Like I want to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I've actually got, uh, a bunch of stuff sitting on the bed right now, ready for this afternoon. When I go out, uh, I anticipate that, uh, I will get wet even though the rain has stopped. It rained so much yesterday. There's not going to be a dry road anywhere in this county. Yeah. And so uh, I will I will just be dressed accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. One night, one really nice thing about riding in weather like like this is um it removes all of the performance metrics for me. Like I just don't care how fast yes. I, it yep. all happens. I'm just doing it right. I'm just out riding. And that's, those are the best rides for me where it's, I don't get, I'm not ca- caring about measuring it in any way. Mm-hmm. It's just purely for the adventure. Yeah, I totally hear you. Uh, you know, my mind goes back to a day. I think this was the winter of 2016 and, uh, I went way way north of here, uh, up into the Alexander Valley, uh, great wine country, just riding by vineyards all day. I was out for five hours and it never got above 55 degrees and it never stopped raining. Yeah. And I got back and, you know, I had this post at the end of my hand that I was able to use to punch the buttons and open the garage. (laughs) Uh, and I, I walked in and I, hung up my bike and I went upstairs, uh, and climbed in the shower and my feet started burning. And like two days later, I went back to the garage to grab that bike and clean it. Both pedals had seized. (laughs) One of them, I got unstuck and it became a usable pedal thereafter. The other one was the one on the drive side. Yeah. It was done permanently. Yeah. And that is the one and only time in my life I have killed a pedal mm. yeah uh and it yeah, died i for probably love. wouldn't remember that <laughs> it was it was the juliet to my romeo yeah that's right <laughs> uh but yeah i probably wouldn't remember that ride so clearly were it not for the fact that oh yeah you lost the pedal in the deal mm. <laughs> uh yeah so it goes um so i'm i've turned that corner i'm now ready psychologically for the winter uh he says you know at 9 52 a.m on thursday we'll see <laughs> right we'll see uh yeah no you All can right. be ready well, now and say? unready later and then ready again it's okay that's real yeah. that's just keeping it real yeah yeah we we humans we waffle yes it's part yes. of the deal uh right well let's move on to paceline picks what have you got this week um last week i picked a glove 
And this week, I'm going uh-huh. to pick another glove, which which shows a real <laughs> flair for creativity. But I was thinking that you, I mean, true to form, we've just been doing it again. You and I are always talking about hot or cold, and maybe we don't attend to that enough to that space in the middle. And that got mm-hmm. me thinking about another glove I really love uh, because it it's super ver- versatile. Versatile? Mm-hmm. Is it versatile or versatile? <laughs> I think it depends on your level of pretension. Oh, okay. Um, This week, I am picking the Solomon Fast Wing Winter Glove, which has uh, an integrated uh, DWR-coated windproof mitten Mm. attached to it. Uh Uh-huh. Essentially, it's a light, full-fingered glove, right? But it has that mitten attachment that you can pull up and over the fingers— for added warmth oh, and protection. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, a few companies make a version of this, but mm-hmm. I like the Solomon best because it has a proper grippy palm where the mm-hmm. others are just like glove liners. Uh-huh. Uh, so the Solomon is like both a really good light glove and a really good light mitten. Mm-hmm. So I would wear, I do wear this uh, glove down into the 40s. Uh, especially if I'm leaving early and I expect it to warm up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd go with the mitten to start and then tuck that mitten covering away later. It tucks into itself. Uh, so mm-hmm. when I get warm, like it's now it's just the glove. And I think this is a great quote unquote winter glove for people who live in more moderate climates where, you know, the kind of place where 40 is like cold. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's 50 bucks. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, it's a $50 item. Uh, and it's another one you can throw in the washer and the dryer and not worry about ruining it. So it, it ticks all the boxes in my in my mode of living. <laughs> the robot shed. Yes, exactly. Sealskins used to make a glove much like that. And uh, I was sent a pair to review, but they didn't arrive until too late in the season. And when I got to wearing them for the next year, they were discontinued. Oh, so, yeah. Like reviewing them at that point was going to be uh, kind of bad form. Uh, that was a real disappointment. I would love for them to bring them back because they are reasonably awesome. They're they have a grippy uh, palm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they've got a little pocket that you can pull out and it covers the fingers. Those things are really, really neat. Uh, I'm glad to know that. Yeah. Solomon. I mean, I've had other Solomon products and they do good work. They do good work. So and this sounds, is another example of a, cool. of a cross country, uh, like an Alpine skiing uh, brand the making a product that translates well to cycling. Yeah. Well, they're one of the best brands in Nordic cycling. And if you can make something uh, in Nordic skiing. Right. Well, I, you know, Nordic cycling is probably, you know, if you live in Sweden and you're a cyclist, you're a Nordic cyclist. You are, yes. So, uh, you know, they're probably, uh, yeah, they're going to be good at making anything for cycling in cold weather because of that other stuff they do. That's right. What do you got yeah. for us this week? My pick this week is are uh the shimano xtr spd pedals okay uh now i know that pedals are about as sexy as dishwashing soap but here's the thing so 
in the last three years, I've used SPD pedals. I, I actually bothered to count, okay? <laughs> I've used SPD pedals from a half dozen different brands, including Shimano. Um, some, after long use, uh, I came to the conclusion are just awful. Uh, (laughs) I don't know why it took me so long to come to that conclusion, (laughs) but I did come to the conclusion and it did take a really long time. I think I just didn't want to dislike them until I (laughs) kind of got to a point where it was unavoidable. Why do I dislike these? Oh, it's because they're awful. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, I mean, there are objective reasons for this. The number one reason is it has to do with pedal body thickness, um, and the construction of the cage that holds the cleat. So with the XTR pedal, and here I'm talking about the 9100, there are two different XTR pedals. There's Mm. the 9100 and the 9120. The 9120 has, uh, a a little, you know, platform built around it. Whereas the 9100 is just pedal. Um, Shimano saves their best engineering ideas for their most expensive products, right? Uh, As well as the best materials um, for those top of the line parts. Uh, The pedal body on the 9100 uh, pedal is, to my knowledge, the narrowest on the market. That is measured top to bottom. Um, It's roughly 10 millimeters in thickness. What really distinguishes this pedal is how it always catches the cleat on the first try. And the release is always crisp and predictable. Uh, I've ridden pedals, and here I'm thinking about the EC, uh, which, while certainly priced affordably, will rarely catch the cleat on my first attempt, meaning that unless my foot is just perfectly positioned, it will roll off the pedal. The thickness of the EC body uh, is something like 16 millimeters. It's really thick. And so it makes it very easy to kind of tip that pedal Mm -hmm. as you're hitting it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, unless my foot is perfectly positioned, it just rolls right off the pedal. Um, And then upon release, I don't know what causes it to do this. I haven't been able to figure out a way to inspect it sufficiently because anytime I put the bike in the stand and grab a shoe, I can't get it to happen. But when I go to make it release and I twist my heel out, there's an angle at which the, the pedal will grab the cleat at an, you know, at that like 35 degree angle Hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so your foot's now cocked out at this funny angle but it's still attached to the pedal. Mm. Uh, so I guess maybe this review is also warning you, don't buy the EC SPD pedals. Mm-hmm. Um, that was not what I set out to do here, but <laughs> well, there you go. Um, let's see. Now the XTR pedal goes for $180 as opposed to 80, like the EC. Right. Um, but uh, it does come in two different axle lengths, which is, uh, reasonably unusual among pedals out there. It also includes a one millimeter spacer should you need it. Uh, so one, uh, one axle is three millimeters longer. And that's really great for those of us who pronate lots and don't want the heels of our shoes to rub all the paint off the chain stays or the anodizing off the crank arm. Um, and, as an added bonus, uh, they appear to actually be in stock at a few online retailers. So there's that. Oh, yeah. A thing you can get. 
<laughs> did you ever think you'd live through this in your life? Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. And, you know, it's, yeah. I, I, in my consulting life, I talk with a lot of shop owners about uh, supply chain issues. I don't think any of us really understands, except in brute terms, what's going on and when, you know, what the... Like, no one gets has a real handle on um, the spike in demand. Is it really a spike in demand? <laughs> or is it... Uh, is it... Is it a diminishment of supply or is it both? Um, we hear a lot about how people aren't spending money, but everyone seems to be trying to spend money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I don't. Yeah. I never thought that. I never found working in the bike industry. Easy in, mm -hmm. in the sense of like, oh, you do this and you get that. There's no like, oh, just do this. And that's that's how you succeed. But I've never seen it or felt it as weird as it is now. <laughs> I said to a bike shop owner yeah. the other day, I said, um, you know, maybe you just shouldn't sell bikes this year. <laughs> and it was, we both paused like that's the weirdest thing you could say. Well, yeah. Yeah, very much. Uh, you know, I don't know if we've talked about it here at all, but um, for some reason, I got really interested in uh, certain aspects of supply chain uh, this past spring. And I I read a whole book about uh, shipping containers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I mean, if you want to know how to party, just stick with me. Yeah, right. One of the things that I've continued to follow, though, are what's happening in the ports. Right. And there's a very interesting thing where so um, the ports and some of the other uh, related companies have realized, oh, we can now charge a premium for getting your product to you faster. Right. Well, as long as there as long as there is demand for getting stuff faster there's no real incentive to clean up the supply chain issues. So the ports and some of the shipping companies, I mean, truly like a UPS is incented not to solve supply chain issues because that would eliminate the premiums that they are charging for faster service. Yeah. I, I, I understand that. I understand the backups at the ports. I understand the lack of truck drivers to move product. I understand a bunch of the variables, but it goes, it actually, I think goes beyond that now because I, uh, in my work, I also interact with a bunch of domestic manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a, a companion issue to the movement of materials and goods, which is that uh, wages are rising. Mm -hmm. um, the there are jobs available everywhere, mm -hmm. and so people are moving jobs uh, to make more money. And that's destabilizing skilled workforces. And I mean, I, I'm just saying that there and and I don't want to I don't want to claim any expertise here. All I'm 
as we would say here in eastern Massachusetts, all I'm saying is <laughs> that there are a ton of variables and it's hard to envision when it will all shake out and become more predictable again. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is that is absolutely true. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I don't suppose <laughs> folks came to the pace line for a lesson on economics. No. Huh? So Merry okay. Christmas. <laughs> yes. You got a bonus from us today. Oh, you got anything fun planned this weekend? Um, I am currently against my better judgment involved in a challenge issued by one of the ultra running clubs that I. Ooh. Yeah. It's the 12 days of Christmas. So I am uh, doing various running things. Uh, mm -hmm. and also riding because, ah, I'm really young and I can just do it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm up to. What about, what about you? What do you got going on? Well, depending on how many massages I can get on my neck, which is still really messed up from being hit by that car, uh, I plan to ride, uh, at least four hours this coming weekend, which is normally like, you know, on the short side for what I would do on a Saturday or a Sunday. Right. Um, I still have yet to hear from the insurance company responsible for this. Yeah. Uh, so there's been exactly zero resolution on this issue at, you know, what are we almost, uh, almost a month out from right. having been hit. Right. So, uh, yeah, my, my big agenda item is massage. Right. <laughs> My number two item is, is massage. Uh, then bicycle. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah, if we n list it in terms of the number of things that I want, yeah, all the massages and then all the bike rides. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all righty. Um, let's see. Uh, we will be taking next week off for Christmas, and we are going to take the week between Christmas and New Year's off. Uh, for the simple reason that I will be in Memphis uh, with my boys visiting grandma. Uh, so we will be back just after the first of the year and uh, we will do our year end rewards in that show. Uh, kind of, you know, closing the barn door after the horse sort of thing. <laughs> Before we go, I want to put in a plug for Revolting, the podcast that John is producing along with Steve Knievel of All Hail the Black Market. It's not a cycling podcast in the traditional sense, but it's a terrific listen. And uh, The Crash uh, has launched, yes, and uh, episode number three will be up uh, in the next couple days. Um, keep those questions coming. You send us great stuff. If you've got an idea, please drop by the Cycling Independent and put a suggestion in the comments. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Robot Lewis. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line. <laughs>